Hi, you're listening to the Road to a Billion podcast. I'm your host, Stefan Georgi. Since 2011, I've sold over $700 million worth of products for both clients and my own companies. I've also founded or co-founded eight different businesses that have grossed between seven to nine figures in revenue. Today, I focus a lot of my time on teaching, training, and mentoring the next generation of freelancers and entrepreneurs. And that's why I created The Road to a Billion, a call-in radio show style podcast where I answer people's questions on mindset, business ownership, scaling funnels, copywriting, and more. If you want to submit a question, then check out the show notes to learn how, or visit me at stephanpaulgeorgi.com forward slash subscribe to opt into my email list. And every week, you'll get a link to join the live call-in show. And with that being said, let's go ahead and get started. Hey guys, in this episode, Stefan is joined by Coffee Zilla, internet detective and controversial YouTube personality who alerts and informs his 374,000 followers would-be victims of potential con artists. Coffee Zilla has taken on the task of uncovering fake gurus and internet fraudsters who make a living scamming both vulnerable populations and everyday people. While this may sound like an honorable and virtuous task, he usually isn't received as a welcome presence to those he identifies and exposes. Here's a glimpse of the mind-blowing insights you are about to discover. How a 20-year-old millionaire coaches and personal health scare inspired Coffee to become an internet detective from being a chemical engineer. Why agency and intelligence are not defenses for making over-the-top claims. The problem with promoting impressive but rare results, plus the power of honesty in sales. Without further ado, I hope you enjoy. That's a little context for people. We will talk more, but but I guess first and foremost, man, I, I'd love to just hear how did you, you know, become Coffeezilla? Like what, you know, the origin story, because you play an interesting role and you're challenging people who are in the public and who are making big claims and are doing things, whether that's you know, me in one case or plenty of other folks. So how did how did that kind of come about? Sure. Yeah. Um, so my background is that first of all, I wish it was like this like grand story, which was all meant to be in the end. I felt like I more stumbled into it than anything, but things from my past definitely informed how I felt about this industry, um, including my mom getting cancer when I was like 14 or 15. And we could talk about that. But um, it, I was in chemical engineering program at Texas A&M and I was uh, sort of like wondering what to do with my life. I decided I would make videos online and I really got, I was just obsessed with telling stories and talking about interesting ideas. There was no component of like exposing or like going after anything or anyone. My thought was, I just want to kind of explore stories and really ones that other people aren't talking about. That was a big thing. I, I Sometimes in media, the same people cover the same topics over and over again. And so one day I'm just sort of browsing online YouTube and I'm seeing these like 20 year olds next to Lamborghinis, sort of promising to make me rich. And I thought, well, this is weird. And then I get recommended and almost I, the guy could have been the same 20 year old, just with a slightly different face saying the exact same things, promising to also make me rich. And I said, wow, what a coincidence that are, there's so many rich 20 year olds out there that are so altruistic that they're willing to make me rich. Like, God, 
I've been so blessed with these helpers in my life. Um, and then I found like four or five others and I thought, well, this is just, this is like ridiculous. This is absurd. I mean, I, I sort of know a little bit about the world at this point. I'm like, this cannot be real. And so I start investigating it a bit more and I made an offhand YouTube video, just like, Hey, just kind of being like, what are these guys doing? They're just kind of, they're ridiculous. Do they not see how ridiculous their claims are? You're not a millionaire, 20 year old, and you're sure not a millionaire mentor, 20 year old in all likelihood. Okay. And you're not going to make other people millionaires, just easy. No one, two, three blueprint. That's not the way the world works. So I put out that video and it got a, like a weird response. Like normally I'll do videos and they'll kind of get the same number of comments. This, it sort of exploded. It's like I tapped into something and I was like, oh, there might be something here. There's a real, real wellspring of, you know, um, not only interest and like, hey, you're so right. But then people said, actually that guy, he cost me $5,000 and I never made it back. And I said, wait, what? You paid that guy $5,000? And they're like, yeah, I watched this like webinar thing. I had no, no idea even what a webinar was at that time. So I go and I investigate. And just over time, I've sort of fallen down this rabbit hole. And I keep thinking to myself, how in the world is no one else talking about this? I mean, I guess right. people are talking about it now. But at the time, it felt like nobody was. And it felt like media journalists sort of have missed this explosion of this info space where for better or for worse, there's really no regulation or very little regulation as far as what you can say and what standards you're held to. And I started to realize that there's a lot of predatory practices going around where nobody really wants to call it out because it's bad for business. It's, it's, it doesn't really get you anywhere if you're in the info space to call out other info products. You're sort of seen as negative, right? And I thought to myself, well, somebody should be doing something about this. Somebody's got to call out um, the bad practices in this industry, if for nothing else, to make room for the info products that are real, right? Like, why would you buy an info product that's promising, you know, to teach you how to do computer science or something like that, when there's a product that's promising to make you rich with computer science, when there's a product promising, you know, to uh, get you from zero to $100,000 a month in like six months? So the bigger claims, it, you know, from, from where I was sitting were beating out people who are making more modest and maybe more truthful claims. And so I thought, you know, maybe here's a place where I can do some good and call out bad people, make a little room for better people. And, you know, just generally have a fun time because I found the space fascinating. I mean, here are all these people who just nobody knows who they are in the mainstream but they're such gigantic personalities and like wellsprings of content, like Dan Locke, you know, telling everyone to call him Sifu and telling them to like do his manifestations, meditations. I mean, that's hilarious. It's objectively funny. And I felt like calling it out. It's like, here's a great chance for a great story and to do a little bit of good. So the, the channel sort of blown up after that. Not, no, none of that was really planned. And um, I've sort of become this personality online, CoffeeZilla, but that's sort of how it all started. Um, maybe I'll touch on the, my mother's cancer point though, real quick. Part of my particular disdain though, for this industry, specifically the health side was that, um, and it's sort of why I got so upset with the direct response industry. When I saw this happening, I realized it was a system was that when, um, when I was 15, my mom got thyroid cancer and, uh, she was really into alternative health as long as I can remember. And I remember, you know, her telling us at the dinner table one day and 
seeing her sort of walk through all these different alternative therapies to the point where one, you know, we were used to the whole house smelling like garlic because some naturopath had told her putting 50 cloves of garlic in a stove pot was going to cure her thyroid cancer and whatever. And I, you know, I remember the whole house just reeking and I didn't understand at the time, but these people were making claims that they have no right to be making. And so, uh, you know, thank God, eventually she got a traditional treatment and she got her thyroid removed. She's now on, you know, medication to supplement her, uh, endocrine system. But without that, had she been like the millions of people who don't do traditional cancer therapy because they've been told by, you know, direct response people that big farm is out to get you. And there's this big conspiracy. She could have done uh, much worse. And there's studies to prove that people who do not do conventional cancer therapy have like two to five times higher mortality than people who do take the therapy. So, you know, things like that in my past have definitely informed how I feel about the ethics of this industry and, you know, what people are sort of, you might say are getting away with. Yeah, no, I mean, that, that makes a lot of sense. And, and I appreciate you sharing the origin story and with your, with your mom too. I guess um, a couple of questions that, that kind of stem from that one would be, cause one, I, one, um, one thing that people have brought up to me when we're talking about your videos is, is like um, the agency component, right? Where it's like, we, t- we talk about all these millions of people and that they're like going to be victims because they're being tricked into buying stuff. And then, something that people will sometimes bring up is, oh yeah, but like, you know, what about their agency? They, you know, they have a decision. Like, are we saying that they're not smart enough to make their own choices? Um, I mean, I'm gonna venture to get answer part of it for you, which is, I think that can be true about some of the stuff, you're overweight, you want more energy, your sleep sucks, but okay, maybe. But like, but something like cancer, right? It's like, there's a desperate component there where you're probably not making a clear decision. So I'm not trying to like ask you a question and answer for you, but just, I do think that's part of it with the agency component. But I would be curious, you know, um, what, you know, your thoughts are when people kind of bring that up. Yeah. I mean, there's sort of, uh, I'll point to an absurd version of this argument, which is that, you know, isn't it okay to lie because people have the freedom to figure out that you're lying. And it's like, well, of course that's not true. Like we would never say that about, you can't say that something does something that it does not. And then when people call you out on it, you go, well, they had the freedom to figure out that I was lying to them. No one would argue that. Right. So there's definitely an absurd version of this argument where we expect buyers to make informed decisions, but they can't be so informed that they see through pure deception, right? Like if it's just outright deception, no one would believe in that. But I think you brought up a really good point, which is the majority of the claims that I go after are things that I view as predatory marketing. And maybe I'll define that because I think predatory marketing means different things to different people. Um, There are certain sectors of business where the, the, the choice component isn't so clear and people have to make a desperate choice, which makes the marketing inherently predatory. Because if I hold a gun to your head and say, hey, buy this product, you're not making a good choice. Well, that's sort of equivalent to what a lot of what's going on in the health space, which is, you know, if I have, let's say some inoperable cancer and you come to me and you say, I have the solution for your inoperable cancer, it's a thousand dollars. Whether it's $50, $1,000, $5,000, $10,000, I'm going to find relatives who will pay for this thing no matter how, how much bullshit you're peddling. And so that's where I see the predatory side of this industry is in segments where the desperation of the audience makes clear thinking and clear choices very difficult, if not impossible. 
I think it's incumbent on regulators to say, hey, you can't just say anything. And we already see this with medication. For example, there are some rules about that are stricter about medication than you could say about like chips or something like that. Um, and I think the same is true to a lesser extent, a slightly lesser extent with money making products where it's like if I'm working at McDonald's and you come to me and you're saying you're some expert and you're going to make me millions of dollars, you know, it's sort of um, I, I will sort of pay you any price to get me out of my situation because I'm sort of thinking to myself, well, it can't get worse than McDonald's for me. And so that's where I also see the side of like well, people are just you're just targeting people who are desperate for this like solution and then you're selling them an easy cure you're gonna get the sale it's like almost shooting fish in a barrel and that's where i just see the really predatory side of this come out um but yeah to be clear i'm not upset about every type of marketing every type of puffery i think it's specific to areas where there's that desperate component as you rightfully pointed out yeah that makes it makes perfect sense and that's good because it, it dovetails into a kind of a follow-up question which is um because even the, the make money online stuff right like I think as marketers, like we'll, we'll see people who there, there always are those outliers or those success stories where it's like, but this person was working at McDonald's and they quit and now they're making yeah. six figures. I'm like, well, they did it right. So other people could do it too. So, you know, me saying, Hey, you know, quit your job, give me money and I'll show you how to make six figures a month type thing. Like I can speak as a, you know, like kind of a guru right in the copy space, like our, our mastermind, we don't make promises like, Hey, make a hundred thousand dollars a month or whatever, but we have tons of people who have joined our program and then gone from making 5,000 a month to 20,000 a month or what. And, and granted, we're not marketing to cold traffic. We're not marketing to people who have no idea what like the industry is or copywriting is right. It's people who are already writing copy. We're like, we're going to help you to like get jobs and blah, blah, blah. Um, but, but people, that is an argument that gets made, I, I think in, in their heads, it's like, well, it did happen a few times. So it's okay for me to say that, but, um, you know, but, but, so I guess like, I'm curious about your take when people say that a, and then I do want to get into a broader conversation of, yeah, where do we draw the line between marketing and selling? And then, you know, when you sort of go into that, that dark end, is it just purely a desperation thing or are there other characteristics, but maybe first we can talk about sort of the, the guru's response of like, well, but I can point to examples of people who have done this thing. Um, what do you kind of say to what, you know, I guess I'm just curious about your reply to that. Yeah, that's a great point. Well, um, I, and I think it is a challenging point where it's like, well, um, you know, I, I do believe the success stories that happen. You know, I, I do believe um, that, you know, some people do make uh, great gains and I, I don't want to take it away from those programs who have done that. Uh, I just think there's a one side of this being shown, which is that all the success stories are shown. You're never seeing the people who are like, yeah, this just didn't work for me. No, it, it, it wasn't right. I tried everything and it didn't work. I, I would liken it to um, MLM, right? Where there are people who make millions in MLM. Unfortunately, 99% of people, it's the, it shows it over and over again, are not making that and most of them are losing money. Um, and that's where, that's where I see the problem is uh, MLM forever was saying, we are your ticket out and we're like this easy ticket out. I think the more you make it appear and you make it appear like it is the norm to be making those incomes, the more it is deceptive and you're lying. The more you explain that like some of our students, you know, some of our students have done this, the fairer it is. But the, my problem is I see things like claims like this, um, no experience required, no money required, no college degree required, 
and you're going to make six figures in six months. Like that, those are the things where I say, okay, that's just clearly, we should be able to all agree that that's, you know, on the, the dark side of it. Could there be elements where you have a success story, you feature them? Sure. But I just think you have to be clear and honest with your audience. And I don't even think it's that much of a turnoff when you are honest, by the way, uh, that, hey, this is not common. This is, this is a big success story. This guy tried really hard and he's not typical. I think an audience would be open to that, by the way. I think they would see it as transparent and frankly, more realistic than a lot of what they're seeing right now. Yeah, I totally agree. It's a good point. I mean, just speaking from experience, going back to my mastermind, um, it's funny because when we at our events, we'll like, you know, pitch our mastermind, right? The events, you can buy a ticket. And the one in um, September of 2020, I felt like, um, I felt like I was like evangelical. And it was like, you know, basically like, you know, this is your life raft to get it. I, you know, I, I, if I watched it, I don't think I said anything at all to cross any lines, but it was just very, like, it was about the upside. I don't think I kind of qualified or, or, or I did enough of that. And what people joined and then we had a pretty, say we had like 80 people join and then about 20-ish people ended up dropping out pretty quickly. And we let them drop out with a year commitment, but we weren't like, hey, you have to stay. But we kind of realized like, oh, it's because we were, we didn't, qualified enough. So then in February, right. Um, it was basically like, if you're joining because you're trying to like, you know, make like crazy life changing income, like right away, you want a job. If, you, if you're going to need to like get jobs or make more money and that's the only reason, you know, then like don't join. Right. We did a whole lot of like, like, like not, not like bullshit, like marketing, but really like, here's a bunch of reasons that you, you shouldn't join if like this isn't the right fit for you. And we had maybe 45 people join at that one versus 80. But then like pretty much all the people have like stayed because it was like clear, right? People who didn't have business joining didn't join. So as a business owner, it actually was like better to have fewer people join, but they were like the right people. So yeah, you qualified your prospect. I mean, like I would say that's huge too, is that most people, they think that when they don't qualify prospects, they're only eliminating from their pool. But you also have to imagine that your qualified prospect isn't going to fall for some like like really wild sales pitch. And so I think that when people do a wild sales pitch, you might get more sales, but you're for sure going to get more chargebacks. You're for sure going to get more dissatisfied customers and customers who are willing to complain and say you didn't hold up your side of the bargain. But you also could be turning away the right fit for your business, the right fit for, you know, who your program's really made for, which might be, you know, a business owner in a certain phase of their business where they're looking to make like the next jump. And you've done exactly that. And you're like, look, I can help you get from point F to point G, right? Or point point H. Instead of telling them, I'm going to take you all the way from point A to Z, no problem. Anyone join. I think you'll get a lot of people at A, but then they're just really not right for you. Right. No, I totally, totally agree. I think, um, yeah, it can actually, it makes your business better. And, um, and I feel like in general, yeah, there's, there's a craving too for people in the world of judge response and other industries too, that they, they do want more authenticity and, um, they want this stuff, right? I mean, there's a reason that what you've been doing has, has struck a chord with so many people. All right. That's just about it for today. Before we finish though, let me share a little bit more about how you can stay in touch with me. I have a private email list where I share high-level tricks, strategies, and insights about copywriting, entrepreneurship, mindset, and more. In fact, often my podcasts are based on topics I first emailed out to my list weeks or even months earlier. So if you want to get brand new stuff from me every single day, go to stephanpaulgeorgi.com forward slash subscribe. These emails are often upwards of a thousand words, and I send them every day. So make sure you really can commit to engaging with me on that level. But as long as you can, and you should, because I do drop a ton of value in these emails, 
Go apply to join my list today. And again, the web address is stephanpaulgeorgi.com forward slash subscribe. And in case you don't know how to spell my name, which is okay, it is S-T-E-F-A-N, Paul, and then my last name is Georgi, G-E-O-R-G-I.com. So stephanpaulgeorgi.com forward slash subscribe, and I will see you in my email list.